This episode is sponsored by Truflation, independent economic and financial data in real time on chain at truflation.com and DYDX, the largest decentralized perpetuals trading platform. Check out the link in this episode's description for more information. Welcome to the Uncut Podcast with your hosts Stefan Rust and Omar Yahya. We're both entrepreneurs, investors in the tech and crypto spaces and have a diverse background in all things venture capital. In this podcast, you'll join us in one of our many conversations where we discuss tech, crypto, exercise, nascent markets, the structure of government, and how we can all move forward as a society. Yeah, the no. world hasn't collapsed yet. <laughs> it's so close, man. Yet. It's so close. Shit, and we're laughing. We shouldn't be laughing. We should actually be really sad. What do you mean? If we can't laugh, what can we? If we can't laugh, what can we do? Exactly. We might That's as well true. get a laugh. <laughs> but I mean, if you think about it, it's people's savings. You know, people that have put money, worked their hard life earnings, and put that aside into these bank accounts. And, and anyway, yeah. I think everybody deserves a share of the blame. Uh, yeah. Maybe. First, these people didn't just walk into office and and command it by force, right? Yeah, these people were are, are elected into office either explicitly or implicitly, right? That's one thing. Also, buyer beware. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we choose what to do with our own money. And you know, again, let's go back to what we mentioned last last time. It would be a very mechanically difficult world uh, to live in, which you have to just do 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 due diligence on everything, literally every single day, you know, the streets that you walk on, the shops that you visit, whatever. But maybe this is time. And uh, I just read a post by Sam Lesson. He makes this argument, which, yep. you know, it's, it's, it's obviously very clear. People will have to really reassess this idea of, do I really need all of my operational cash at the bank? Like if I, if I have, let's take a simple example, like even a startup example, Robinhood, right? Robinhood has a margin account. It has a debit card that you can use to spend. It can probably easily spin up a business account. And then, Whatever money that you don't use, why wouldn't, or, or you don't need like literally in the next 24 hours, why wouldn't that be in a low cost ETF that just rolls over three months uh, uh, treasuries? And then whenever you decide to liquidate, you don't even have to liquidate. You could just borrow against it all month. And then at the end, you can just liquidate it sort of once. You don't have to liquidate every day or whatever, right? So there are now, because of low uh, uh, transaction fees and because of the proliferation of these investing platforms and margin accounts in general, everybody can just pretty much have their money in ETFs and then borrow a, a low volatility ETFs, borrow against them, and just use that as operational cash. So the question is, if all I'm going to do when I give a bank cash is I'm giving to them and they have to take duration risk. There's no other way as a bank to make uh, money. Right? Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't borrow from the future and lend to the present. That's not no. like the laws of <laughs> physics prevent us from doing this. So you can, well, okay, that's a different discussion, but let, for all intents and purposes, we can't do for that. For this conversation. <laughs> yeah, for this and the foreseeable, you know, universal conversations. Um, you can only, you can only uh, take duration risk. So you, you borrow from the present and you lend to the future. Um, uh, um, so the, 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 the problem is if that's what they're going to do anyway, so I might as well do it myself. And then totally, at least I know what totally. I'm doing. 
right? At least I know the kind of exposure that I have. I mean, ideally, you always want to have two separate isolated accounts, right? One that is an electronic cash account. You literally pay people to custody these assets for you. And the other is an investment account, okay? And it says right there, this is an investment account. You're taking risk by purchasing this ETF. You know, be prepared. So when you lose your money every decade, or once a decade, you will apparently have these black swan events, which are supposed to be one in a century uh, events. They're not. They're typically one every 10 years. One one every 10 years. You know what you're doing and nobody's upset and there's no need for bailouts and just life is simple. And the real one in a century event would be your actual brokerage going, you know, going belly up. You're losing your money in your electronic account. And these are not profound ideas. They've existed for a very long time. But you actually have that, right? I mean, if you have a bank account, of course, at least most, I, I don't most have non-major any anymore, U.S. But, banks operate like this. They yeah, you have, you have a checking minimums. account, you have a savings account, you have an investment account, and then ultimately, depending on your investment account, you can borrow in your checking account against the collateral. You use your collateral of your investment account, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and you should the, be doing that. You have to, everybody has to manage your own money. I, yeah. I don't care. You can't just give it to the bank and hope that oh everything's going to exactly. work out. It's a very right, anachronistic right? model, right? Like literally, yeah. with the advent of like digitize everything, that is really the era that we're in. Digitization of everything. It should be trivial to manage your own money. Okay, and you know people always come up with this mantra: oh, you know, you're you're not a professional. You should manage your own money. I agree to the extent that you shouldn't be like buying swaptions or like rebalancing options and (laughs) derivatives. And (laughs) maybe you don't do that, but like buying an auto, like automated buying an ETF that automatically rolls over. Let's say it's enshrined at the CME. So it's like literally a product by the CME. I mean, that's not that complicated. I'm sorry. And you even you can even pay these guys who are professional managers. They are like, I mean, I don't know. Of course. In a way, they're licensed and they're. Their their products are governed and audited and, and, and everything, right? For a so, company that has billions of dollars on its balance yeah. sheet, you're paying people like a few hundred K a year. A it's an operational a, expense. It's not yeah, even exactly. – it's one more employee that you hire at the firm. It's not even something that you sort of have to worry about. And the fact that this is not even in the lingua franca, this is not something that people are, are talking about, tells you like not only is our banking infrastructure old – the way we think about banking is very old as well. Yeah, it's it, it's really it's um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I I was just somebody was just telling me about this guy Scott Galloway. I don't know. He oh, was yeah. like some NYU professor, and he built his whole business on on educating people around social media, how to manage social media, how to grow. And, and th- I mean, if it weren't for these social media companies, he wouldn't have sold his business, right? And now he's sort of, I feel very much he's gone onto the flip side where he's against all these techno guys. I mean, he's definitely anti-crypto too, which is okay. I mean, people are allowed their opinions. Um, but yeah, he was, he was saying, oh, I love it. I can go to the bank. I could deposit money and I can borrow against that. Where can I do that? It's like, Dude, hello. Knock, knock, knock. Hello. It's like, what planet are you living on? And it's like, and he puts it down to all, it's just a few crypto whales driving panic in the banking system. I mean, a few crypto whales that are doing this, there's no way in heaven that you can have a few crypto whales moving a a quadrillion sized industry, you know. I don't think. 
this is, it's, I mean, these are the pins that sort of burst the, or the straw that broke the camel's back. It certainly is. Exactly. Like, if, I mean, the, maybe somebody highlighted You literally it, called but, it last week on, on Credit Suisse. I mean, yeah. you know, these are, this is a Swiss, this is a Swiss entity, unrelated to the United States. Lo and behold, like, not even a week after SVB collapses, this thing, this thing is going to zero, right? I mean, it's not, I, mean, I don't know how this could be the crypto gas fault. This is a global, systemically important <laughs> bank. Well, apparently not important <laughs> enough to manage. Uh, okay. <laughs> if you look at, I was reading this uh, a few hours ago. It is a, like, nobody is better positioned to dig into the 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 closet and find the skeletons at Credit Suisse than UBS is. I mean, they're they're professionals at like just yeah. finding what's wrong with the accounting. And boy, do they have, I mean, they're going to have a field day. Um, if you look at how the market, the, the reason I mentioned this, if you look at how the market was pricing uh, the transaction, just in, like enormous fluctuation, enormous variance. Yeah. Usually with these things, <laughs> like if the, if the, if everybody sort of trusted the book values and you knew how to evaluate the transaction, there wouldn't be much like the, the price would very quickly within a few hours or a few days converge to essentially the post acquisition price. The, this was volatile. Like this was, this was neck, you know, neck to neck all the way to the finish line. So what I bet you, and now, now this podcast has become a betting podcast because we're going to start making bets. Oh, well, given, prediction market. Given, yeah. Prediction marks, given your prescience. Um, I do think UBS finds some wild shit uh, on Credit Suisse. And <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Come on. I mean, they were they were involved in, you know, Numora. They were involved in, uh, not Numora, them and Numora were involved in uh, Arkegos, uh, Bill Wong. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, they were involved in a lot of other funny stuff. But and most of UBS turned down Arkegos yeah. or something like that. Or, or yeah, we I saw think, the same I documents. Think, uh, I, mean. I think the next sort of entertainment, high quality entertainment value story that's going to break is going to be what they find in Credit Suisse. But if they buy it, they're not going to disclose it. They're going to keep it, they're going to keep it wrapped up into, but, but then again, you know, no, no, no. I mean, you you have, anything at the wrapped end of the up? day, these are liabilities, man. These are liabilities. Yeah. You don't need to disclose it. People up. are going to come knocking. <laughs> like, where's the money, dude? <laughs> yeah, I guess UBS will definitely, I mean, so somebody, I mean, Eric Voorhees did a good post. It's like, um, where he actually suggested, would you put, you know, the $1.5 billion into Bitcoin, or would you put it into saving Credit Suisse? I mean, if you're a fund manager, you're looking at that upside, right? And then you have Balaji saying in three months, it's going to go to a million. I mean, I... <laughs> so what, what do you think about that? Let's, let's, uh, we'll let the Credit Suisse story just play out because um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Gonna what do you think about the Balaji bet, which has been I on mean, the I, age? I, I mean, I do, I, I have it, I believe it has foundations, right? I mean, it definitely has a lot of fundamentals to it. I just think a million in three months simple, is just... Would is, you, which side of the bet would you take? Just, just tell me right now. If I had to say three months was the end date, I would, I, bet, I don't think, I wouldn't take the bet. Okay, you wouldn't take the bet. No. I think three months is too aggressive. So why is that? How do you think he timed because, it? Um, well, he did, I, I haven't listened to the whole podcast, but I need to finish listening to that podcast, but he did a whole podcast. Well, no, apparently whole he gave, uh, Tom Howard, um, had a, in Singapore, Balaji, I think lives in Singapore. Tom, Tom, yeah. uh, I, I believe lives in Singapore as well. 
Um, and he, they had a, an event over the weekend, or Baji was a speaker at the event, yeah. and he essentially talked about this thesis sort of openly and gave the sort of breakdown, the lay of the land, and made it very clear. And some people came out of there very, this was like, oh, this is like super alarmist. But at the end of the day, all I need to see is the headline, and the headline was, well, you know, the bet. So, yeah. I mean, I just feel that the governments and the financial institutions are going to do everything they possibly can to hold and save this um, and create the confidence. And look, look, look what happened just today. Germany, the German Federal Reserve or the German finance minister goes out and says, oh, everything's safe. There's no systemic problem here. In the UK, they do the same. Everywhere they're going out and say, Famous and then it's like, words. yeah, exactly. We heard that before. <laughs> you know? um, I don't know. I mean, I just feel... 50x in three in six, in 90 days in three months i feel that's a huge leap he, and, he and is basing it on historical precedent like in and of itself it would not be unprecedented but yeah. in denominating usd this would this he, he this is not a bit this is, has nothing to do with bitcoin he's talking about the us dollar yeah this is what he's talking about he's talking about us dollar hyperinflating right yeah and in three months to hyperinflate that much was, and then he does, I think there's a comparison to the Weimar Republic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where he's getting numbers from. And, and I mean, remember the Weimar Republic was right after World War One, was it? It was mm -hmm. after World War One. Yep, the dead obligations of uh, the reparations for World War One. And it was a very different, I, I don't know, maybe, I, 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 I don't know. I just feel, my gut tells me, it's super aggressive. Um, I do feel that it might happen. Um, but I think we'll go to war before that will happen, to be honest. I mean, that's what happened in Weimar, Germany. They did go yeah. to war. They, just <laughs> gave it a, they added a one next to the World War One. They called it World War Two. Two. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think, I I think the, that, the and that, economic... And we're already the, in war, right? I mean, look... Xi Jinping's in Russia right now. He's sitting there with Putin. He makes a statement saying, oh, we'll cover the world and we'll make sure it's legally compliant and, and binding and, 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 you know, we're here to save the world kind of thing, right? I mean... Okay, let me, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Okay. If the, if, if the United States becomes directly involved in the Russian-Ukrainian war, call it not conflict, it's, it's a war... If they get involved in the war, do you think that? How do you think that uh, pertains to the bet? Do you think that this is really what he's getting at? Yeah, I think I think that will cloud the issue. We won't see. Then he'll lose the bet for sure. If we go to war, we lose the. He, he loses the bet, no doubt about it, because it clouds the issue nobody will see trueflation you'll be able to hide it under all these government under contracts the, the under the fog all... of war exactly yeah. and it will come out afterwards after the war and for yeah i mean for the world's sake i mean yeah i mean and then funny enough putin just made an announcement i don't know if that's true but i saw him saying oh look i'm happy to compromise i want to get to the table and find a compromise to end this I mean, 
presumably this is something that everybody wants to do. There's no, there's no, yeah. there's no winner who, who, of, of prolonging any sort of war. The way I think, so war is like natural disaster. The only way yeah. to deal with it is to prevent it from happening. But once it happens, there's no positive outcome. There's yeah. no positive no. outcome of war. No, we all lose. The whole world loses, right? Um, and what, I mean, what's your take on it? So my take is, very, I don't know how he priced the timeline. I, if I had, you know, gun to my head, I would, I would short the bet as well. I wouldn't yeah. take it. Um, I just don't think that there is, um, unless I mean, unless clearly he knows something that nobody else knows. The um, infrastructure in the United States is such that I think they will be able to weather any banking crisis, even if it was ten times larger than two thousand eight. Yeah, I think they'll be able to because remember these are crises of confidence. Yeah, these are not like okay. So I was talking to someone um, the other day, and they said, "Oh, don't you know why can't just the 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 government of the United States, the government, not the Fed, uh, say, you know, everything's FDIC insured and just everybody goes home. Like they just have to issue the White House issues. Not, well, not the White House, but somebody issues a statement that says one liner. Every single deposit in the United States, doesn't matter. It's insured. FDIC insured. I was like, oh, well. It doesn't matter how big it's insured. Yeah. I was like, have you ever looked up how much money the FDIC <laughs> actually has? I mean, they don't have, they don't have an unlimited uh, war chest. Yeah. They have like, I don't know, a few hundred billion dollars. Okay. That's nothing. That doesn't even ensure like a few percent of of the total uh, deposits. So okay, so so what do you do now? So it's not just as simple as just saying, oh, everything's in, insured. You still have to have an entire infrastructure behind that to say, hey, FYI, like if even if we were to spend every single dollar on the FDIC insurance, we have other facilities that have to again, they have to come from somewhere. You can't just go outright and say we're going to print money because the second you do that, then that triggers a bank run on the dollar itself. Yeah. Well, you've had sort of the opposite. You've seen the announcement today by the Fed on the um, fortification of swap liquidity, right? You have other central banks, Bank of Canada, uh, the Bank of England, um, Japan. They're all saying they're actually going to increase liquidity. So they're decreasing the their side of liquidity on the, if you, th- if you think about it as like an LP pool, um, from their currency to actually amplify the liquidity on the US side. That means that they were prepared for a flight of um, a flight of capital into the U.S. dollar. Why would yeah. you think, think yeah. about it? I'm the only I'm the only yeah. uh, major bank in the world that says all deposits are insured. Why wouldn't you? So if you wanted to invest yeah. in a money market fund, why wouldn't you invest in everything that's dollar denominated, right? That's and then you look at the inflow into the U.S. into the U.S. dollar. I mean, everybody exactly. A whole so par- bunch of paradoxically, this yeah. is kind of bullish for. Yeah. For the Dixie, yeah. right? for the U.S. dollar, yeah. at yeah. least at least in the in the in the short or medium term. In the short term, but I but actually, you know, sort of st- stepping even further back at, at a higher level, I actually love this. Of course, you do because in in essence, what is this doing? This is saying that there are a lot of independent individual analysts out there that are reading through all these documents that nobody and none of our mass media, mainstream media are spending the time and effort to go crawl through a lot of these documents to identify what are some of the big underlying problems, number one. Number two is you have a whole set of influencers out there that have the ability to interpret what these analysts are doing, and they're going out there and highlighting, look at the problems, look at the flaws. And number three is it's actually 
you brought this on yourselves, U.S. government, SEC, FDIC, SPOC, FIC, (laughs) FSB, you know, all these different (laughs) fucking institutions that are trying to kill crypto. And all of a sudden, you're trying to fight competition. And all of a sudden, you brought on this huge whale of movement that people are now having a, a, a channel in which to communicate and share their ideas and their findings. And, and that, to me, is, is brilliant, right? I mean, the way Gensler is going after everybody, left, right, and seller, willy-nilly, you know, whoever he wants to go after, and he's even going after judges and, 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 and regulation or, you know, um, what do you call it, when they've actually made, you know, they've, you know, BlockFi, Binance, all of that scenario that's coming out of there where a judge awarded Binance the right to buy and protect the depositors, and the SEC's going, no, you can't do that, right? So it's like, hang on, you've got a private enterprise that's willing to back up all the depositors and give them their money back. And he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. It's bad. And it's like, oh, well, where else is the money coming from? And everywhere, left, right, and center, everything's falling down and crashing. And you're saying, oh, no, 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 I'm here to protect the consumer because I'm a part of the finance protecting consumer association. Right? I, it's like, I think oh this is a God. bit of a Scheidenford on your, on your side. Stephanie? Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Can you hear that? Can you feel that? <laughs> uh, I, I, again, I, the, the the problem is clearly systemic. You would have thought it would have been presumably the premise of Dodd Frank and Sarbanes Oxley yeah. and all of these regulations that we got post crisis. Presumably, the the idea was how do you prevent the next crisis? Not we just get another uh, another crisis and yeah, then you go back true. and use the same facilities and then say oh we'll do better next time. Well, that's not good enough. Okay, you needed to have done better now. Okay, it's not good enough that people are figuring out that the patient is sick. Your job was to prevent the patient from getting sick to begin with, not to figure out okay how do we cure, cure them from the ailment. And what the fuck was the point of ten years yeah. worth of no, quantitative okay. easing exactly. if we're still back square one? Yeah. What I mean, you could have used that money to do anything else. But if you remember back then, people were saying all we're doing is pushing the candle down the you know we're the pushing can down the road, kicking the can down the road. can down the road, right? And and that's ultimately what we've done, right? We've pushed it. We saved ourselves fourteen years, right? Wow, like okay, uh, it's twenty twenty three, and we're only experiencing a real new trouble facility, now. BTFP. I mean, the beauty you have to admire the financial engineering. I mean, you the 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 people that come up with these facilities are absolutely brilliant. You have to admire. Is that okay? We're not going yeah. to. Yeah, we're not going to buy security. We're going to buy USG securities. What we're going to do is we're going to have a pool of capital, right? That um, you can borrow, okay, and then you can deposit as collateral uh, on the balance sheet securities, okay. And then in in one year you just have to come back for your collateral, and then because because of the way the yield curve is inverted, you owe us some money, right? You know, on yep. that's how you know banks work. Take duration risk. If you take duration risk with that cash now, then you sort of owe us money. Great. But then what happens if I kick the can down the road again? What happens if I recycle that fund out until March 2025 and then out until 2026 and so on? What does that begin to look like? Well, it begins to look like uh, uh, liabilities on the bank side, assets on the Fed side that just stay on the balance sheet forever. What does that look like? It has a name. It's called QE. Okay. So their ability to magically conjure up QE5 out of thin air using beautiful financial engineering has to be admired. Yeah, you have to stand in awe, okay, of their ability to do this again and again. And then, but but I think they 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 
not only their financial engineering capability, the marketing associated with that financial. Of course, engineering. of course. I mean, that is just ha- half of the financial engineering is actually <laughs> selling the product, right? But I do believe, actually, why why I also don't think that it it, it the bet why I would short the bet is is sentiment, right? People. In essence, it's a lot of people's money and a lot of people don't want at this stage, they don't want to see crypto win. They don't want to see their governments disappear. They don't want to see their banks get shut down. They don't want this financial crisis. And so they're willing to have any kind of alcohol or any kind of drug fed their way, even if it causes me withdrawal symptoms tomorrow I want to protect what I have today, my lifestyle, my being able to go to the pub at four o'clock this afternoon. Remember the the original crypto meme, right? The the red pill, okay? The the reason why the red pill is so sour is because what? It's because it shows you the the reality as it is, okay? So we we all, as individuals, there's nothing that we'd like more. The most comfortable thing in the world would be to take the blue pill. And just yeah. live as if we have no issues, as if banking is a solved problem, as if money is a solved yeah. problem. That is the world that you want to live in a world where there is no red pill, where the blue pill, uh, you know, life is good it's, and it's, it's perpetually good. It's good. And it's we've, we've solved all these problems, right? Yeah. But we don't. And that is the problem. Whenever you have a disruptive solution in the form of red pill, half of the argument is adoption. The other half is making people realize that, that they're living in a simulation. That... They realize, or that you know, they've been told that we figure out this idea so, of banking. We have this central bank that takes care of everything. These guys are sort of national heroes, and then about once a decade, you realize these guys have no idea what's going on. So we have, um, I mean, a big, big. There's a big meeting coming up this week, right? The FOMC meeting, um, which is basically to try and define what interest rates are going to, how interest rates are going to change, to. Easily, the yeah, easily the most important <laughs> FOMC meeting since the one in March of 2020. So, I mean, the Super Bowl, this has got to be the huge, Super Bowl, right? the World Cup of FOMC meetings. This, this is going to be, and 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 so, it, I mean, there are four scenarios really, right? It's, it goes down, interest rate goes down, interest rate stays the same, it goes up 25 basis points, and maybe it goes up 50 basis points, right? And I mean, there are infinite scenarios in this case. The real, it's only by like essentially, are they accommodative or not? They projected initially, you know, before the bank crisis, that they're going okay. to decrease interest rates. So the, if they don't, it's binary. They either decrease interest rates or they don't. If they don't, then we're in, then essentially the market will start pricing in, which it already has, a new paradigm. If they do, that's when the fun starts. They, but there's no way they're going to reduce interest rates. I just don't see that happening. Well, I mean, um, that's why I said if if they do, that's when yeah. that's when the fun starts. That's if they do, then then I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, listen, I mean, this, don't dismiss the power of financial engineering. There, there, are, there are ways around it. I was the other day. I was thinking about: oh. Are there scenarios in which you can actually increase the interest rate and continue to provide liquidity? There are. It would be obtuse, and it would be difficult but it is possible but is there so so let me step back on that so the two elements there so one reduce the interest rates to increase liquidity and the other one is increase liquidity whilst not impacting the interest rates right Mm -hmm. and and so those two scenarios actually i think 
I just, anyway, I mean, my gut tells me that Jerome Powell is not going to reduce it. I mean, he's been fighting so hard. We've got to break this. We've got to break this. We've got to break this. And he just raised it three months ago. And now he's going to go, oh, oh, fuck, I broke it. So I've got to come back down. It's like, what? <laughs> you have it. such, you're so fucking incompetent. He's done it Excuse before. Excuse my language. He's done it before. Oh, yeah? Uh, excuse your language. We've said fucking wilder shit on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2018, yeah. was it, when uh, Donald Trump was president? Do you remember this? When he was when he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to get rid of this guy, fuck this guy. Do you remember yeah. this? It was exactly yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, when he was trying yeah, to increase yeah. interest rates. It was September yeah. of 2018 until December of 2018. They tried increasing interest rates. And then Donald Trump was literally out there. He was pulling an Elon Musk. He was out there saying like, Dude, I'm gonna get rid of you, and then and then obviously the market did, you know, the Nasdaq did a twenty percent haircut, and um, and then they reverse course. I mean, you could argue I broke the system, so I have to. No, I, I, there's found no the- way that this is going to be the reasoning. The reasoning will be, you know, we gave you guys freedom. We tried to help you guys. You guys used you you broke it. Okay, you you, you know, we gave you a shiny toy. You broke it. Now we're gonna sort of. We're going to come have to fix it, and there's going to be consequences. Those consequences, we're going to change our outlook. This is, by the way, my base hypothesis. My base hypothesis is that the outlook on CPI changes. Again, it's simple, simple, simple dynamics or psychological dynamics. Inflation is an abstract idea. It doesn't so we exist. Say to- it doesn't exist in any in any capacity, right? It's just an abstract idea. It's totally up. Yeah, savings and deposits in a bank account—they're very real. Okay, they're super fucking real. You, you get your phone out now and you can just look up the account and try to get the money out of it. Okay, so you have a trade, exactly, you have a trade off between um, uh, an abstract concept that you can change the overtone window on or like something here and now, the plumbing here and now. So 10 out of 10 times, you would choose to just essentially gaslight the entire world into thinking that, you know, 5% inflation is a good thing. Remember the same brought to you by the same people that told you two percent inflation is a good thing, right? Two yeah, percent is just know, a, it's sort of an arbitrary number. Okay, okay. So, uh, or I mean, the best example is oh man, I looked at trueflation yesterday and I saw that there's inflation is only four point one percent. So we're doing a much better oh, job good. than I thought we would. No, no, no. no. You just, I think again, we have we tend to have a very short uh, uh, attention span. Time span. There was an yeah. era, and and then we're talking like at least two years in which the Fed was coming out and saying we have sticky disinflation like we're unable to hit the two inflation target we're we're like 1.2 1.3 we're unable to hit two percent inflation this is a real problem we need new financial engineering we need new initiatives to increase the inflation rate to two percent okay this is brought to you by the same people that convinced you that this was a good idea it's 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 gonna be Anyway, I'm just intrigued to find out what, and I think to your point, it is the Super Bowl. This is this is a defining moment. What we hear and learn on Wednesday, right? Really, where is this going to go? How is it going to evolve? And if he reduces, I mean, my argument would be instead, if he if he brings down, I mean, already at the last rate rise, I felt he caved. He wasn't going up fifty basis points because he caved to the pressure of Wall Street. And my argument, if he goes negative interest in this one, he's caving even more to Wall Street. And 
not to the people. Because I think having the, all they need to do is, I mean, we talked about it on the last call, where on the last uncut, which was how do I just basically give me back your old bonds. I'll give you a new bonds. I'll take the loss. And because I'm the Fed, I can hit the loss. It's off balance sheet anyway. Nobody's going to see it. And, it's not and, even and we'll like just, it's normally it's not a loss with the inverted it's income, not a it's loss actually, no yeah. because because it's actually i'm buying it back you know it's at a, the same price i would buy i'm just currency. buying it back early it's a devaluation yeah, exactly. of the currency in principle but like yeah. in practice their balance sheet will like the the pnl there's positive it's, pnl on that trade it's 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 still yeah same for the talk program i mean the 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 fed made money or the u.s government made money actually on the yeah. on the 08 bailout just the way these things are structured yeah. But how did the Fed make money on that? Did they make money on the fact that the investments that they made they to support the, the company? On, exactly. Uh, they, yeah, bought they bought the bottom, the bottom and then, on yeah, toxic exactly. assets okay, yeah, exactly. that became less toxic yeah. over time. Exactly. Yeah. And then they, they, they sold out at the top. I mean, yeah. Remember, if you if you come in, so, if I come in, you owe me, like, this is a junk bond. You issue your... Like, <laughs> you issue a junk bond. Just, and if I don't give you like 10 bucks right now in your pocket, you're going to default. It's going to be worth zero. So I come in, I use five bucks uh, um, collateral, and then I give you another five bucks and say, hey, listen, this is $5 cash, $5 collateral, and then just like pay me yeah. back in two years. I've saved you from going to zero. I've saved you from dying. So just by virtue of staying alive, at some point, you're going to be able to pay me back. And that's what happened. Now, of course, this is simplistic, but I mean, that's what happened. So the, ass the assets appreciated, and then they sold them, and then that's it. Bob's your uncle. They made money. Right, the lender of last resort. So, right? that's so, the definition so, of a so that's why isn't that? Why isn't the government just a fucking? Oh, excuse me. Why is the? Why aren't they just a bank? I mean, just fucking and become an investment bank. Invest and and and, and generate a yield and generate a return versus just being a bloated. I mean, somebody was telling me just in Japan. He moved to Japan, had to set up a bank account. He goes to the after jp morgan they're the highest biggest bank in japan mufg right of i mean yeah, the bank of japan owes like owns like 80 percent of the bond market over there <laughs> they are the market <laughs> they are the, anyway so he wants to set up a bank account oh please let me set up a bank account and by the way i've got lots of money and i want to deposit it with you it's like oh 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 no 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 Five people interview him. He's there for four hours, <laughs> and they still—he's still waiting to hear back what he can do. A whole day just to set up a bank account. I mean, okay. something's wrong no, to with answer, that to system. Answer your, to answer your first question, the reason why we don't just shut down all hedge funds and all venture funds, and then just the government itself becomes one big fund, is because the idea of investment relies yeah. on this the concept is, of value creation. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's not. There's a difference between money <laughs> and wealth, extraction. right? Me just yeah. printing, me just adding zeros to to a balance sheet or Excel spreadsheet, or just printing money at thin air and moving it around. That does nothing. It gives the illusion of wealth because you see just the numbers going up, but actual value creation doesn't happen. And if they could, they would be right. That's what the Soviet yeah. Union tried to do, right? There's this idea that there was only one entity in the state that controlled everything, financing and and venture included. And they would decide what would be useful or not. And they said the central planning problem is is uh, is one that we're willing to take on, and they tried it, and it didn't work. Yeah, I, I, I guess you know, um, yeah. And funny that when when push comes to shove, they are forced to bail out, and then they make money, right? I mean, they buy the bottom because. 
they're basically the savior of the bottom. And so they can have skin in the game. Here's the stop. I'm coming in. I'm going to back everybody up at this bottom. This is the bottom. And by that, that, that instance, they've defined the bottom. Correct. And then everything moves up from there and they, they move with that rising tide. Right. And, um, somebody was telling me actually on the fact that you don't, that the, the, bottom doesn't fall out of the currency yes exactly exactly you have to be able to you have to be that stop if you're not that stop then then you then then then, yeah but again you can't do that to the extent that the market so uh, the market getting faith in the banking system and losing faith in the currency underlying does no good the bank of zimbabwe right they try doing that they just try printing money and use that to bail everybody out for everything oh you want you know money for produce here you go oh you want you know money for assets here you go the problem is they, 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 people did a run on the actual Zimbabwe dollar. They were like, yeah, yeah. this is not going to work. The ultimate bank, the bank of banks, is the issuer of the currency. Yep. The ultimate assets and liabilities lie with them. Okay, And their job is to sit next to the people responsible for fiscal policy, the government, and say, we're going to help you stabilize price levels by issuing and redeeming claims to goods and services, also known as cash, okay? And we're going to help you manage your debt. If you need liquidity, if you need to issue debt, if you need to redeem debt or pay it off, we're going to help you doing this. What happened in, in the last century or in the, last ha- in the second half of the last century is that the roles reversed. Instead of having, you know, the guy that drives like the, the motorcycle and there's like a sidecar. The motorcycle was like the executive government and then the sidecar was the Fed or the central bank. Yeah. These The roles reversed. The I guy in that. the sidecar is now extending his arms and trying to uh, uh, maneuver the motorcycle. And the guy sitting on, in the main seat is actually subjugated to the guy sitting in the sidecar. <laughs> So you you now have it uh, like the 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 window of confidence has changed. People are now no longer interested yeah. in um, fiscal policy as much as they are interested in monetary policy because they know where the power sits. And, 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 okay, and 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 Interesting. But I mean, if you look at the whole institution, the government represents, right? I mean, they're very much driven by fiscal policy, right? Not, not monetary part. There's a small no, branch. The only lever, right? They, they, the government, exactly. the government they can only issue, issue debt and promise to pay it back. Yeah. Yeah. In principle, you, you can have a central bank that's separate from the government that it, in, again, in the United States, that is how it's structured. The federal reserve is a private bank. But that's for legal loophole reasons. Legal, legal reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, what is your bet? Do you think the government's going to reduce? Do you think the federal the FOMC is going to reduce the interest rates? My bet is yes. They well, they no. My bet is that they don't increase interest rates. They don't increase, right? So it stays flat. Well, they can yeah, stay, my, stay flat. The, they can decrease. They whatever. But my bet yeah. is there is still enough punch in the bowl for the party to continue so now the, the punch is the like, is like a little bit low quality now 
people have yeah. sort of like taken all the, the good stuff out of it. So you're going to need to make sure that people are enjoying it. You're going to need a lot of juice. So they're going to have to really spike the bowl this time. Like, a sh you know, a shot of tequila here and there is not enough anymore. You're going to need to pour the whole damn bottle into the punch bowl <laughs> just to make sure that the party continues. The party continues. So that would then imply that I need to reduce the interest rates. Well, again, the only way the party continues is if you reduce the interest rates. And if you hold it but flat, even if you don't does the do party it, continue? Even or you, what, what happens, even if you, don't do what happens if, you, the even if you hold it flat? Yeah, even if you hold it flat. I mean, the, the market has its ways of forcing you to, to, to yeah. think about it. If you, if you enshrine the BTFP facility and it just rolls over forever, which you have to, because all you're doing is you're kicking the can down the road until yeah. 2022. <laughs> why? Or 2024, rather. Why? Because, again, Election. these banks are unprofitable. Okay? The yeah. majority of duration risk that they're taking right now is, is not one that's profitable. And the overhead and the regulatory overhead, amongst other things, th th these are just not profitable enterprises. The only way out is for you to shut down all of these banks or nationalize them. That's it. Ooh. That's it. That's the only way out. Ooh. And so if you just say no, we're gonna let the, we're gonna let it, you know, maintain exactly the same structure. All you're doing is you're just, you know, we're going to overtime. That's all you're doing. So at minimum, at minimum, you have to get the yield curve to invert so that some of these yeah, banks yeah, can actually the the better one, the well capitalized ones, the ones that have lower overhead, the ones that have quote unquote better duration risk they can actually make a little bit more money that they can use. I think ultimately the scenario is going to play out is as follows. The Fed policy will be such that the better perform, you have a spectrum of performance in terms of banks. Yep. Some of okay, most of them are like, you know, break even, and then some of them are really shit, okay? What the Fed is going to do is it's going to try and make the ones that are uh, 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 on the positive right end of the spectrum, the ones that are well-performing, do really well, so well that they pay or they subsidize for the for the um, they subsidize the operations essentially of the lower performing banks and the ones that are really really poor they're either going to be acquired straight up await style right you went from like fifty banks to like four banks now you're just going to have another version of that um, or b they just shut down completely and you have a facility for them to shut down it's I mean for all intents and purposes the Counterparty on Credit Suisse didn't have to be UBS. It could have just been Finma or you know the Swiss yeah. National. The, the, the yeah, Swiss and then shut it down, and we'll 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 cover everybody. Yeah, just it's it's not good optics for the government to come in and take over private assets. It's just not. No, no, optics. totally. But it is certainly possible. It's probably cleaner. You know why? Because and it most probably ends up being the same. What's the difference? No, 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 I'm cleaner. going to backstop all the liquidity for UBS. UBS should just take it over, but I'm going to backstop Again, everything. I'm going to underwrite your whole risk. Optically, optically. it makes more sense. Exactly. But if you think about it, mechanically, it's actually a lot Marketing. easier to do it uh, on the on the nationalization side. You know why? Because then you can just – debtors will come to you and you can be like, thanks for your contribution. Thanks for your patriotism. The, the only entity that's allowed or, that's or has the purview of just telling people to fuck off, right, is the government. <laughs> is the government. You'd be like, sorry, dude. Money's not here. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to sue me? <laughs> Good luck with that. So, I mean, that's, that's how these people think. That's, again, mechanically, you think it'd actually be a lot easier if they just did that. But, you know, the government coming in with printed money, purchasing private assets, it's just a really bad look for, you know, capitalism or whatever it is that we so have. So, you know, 
We did a we did a lot of insights at Trueflation.com around what wage looks like, and and we've gone deep into the real estate sector. So we'll be announcing a lot of new features in the real estate or housing set category on our dashboard. But then, and and also for data. But we've done the same on wages, right? We looked at salaries, we broke it down, um, and 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 salaries still inflating, right? So they're still going up, so people are earning more. Um, but that, that, I mean, this is all tiny. This is so different. <laughs> I mean, the, the magnitude of, of this problem versus what we're talking about from a banking standpoint. But what I was looking and, and more important to me was that since 2020 to 2023, all the 80% of new hires were going to governments. So the government was hiring throughout all of this period where we were going through COVID and everything, the government was the hiring entity for a lot of these jobs, number one. The number two is what came out through a lot of the health uh, findings, right? So Pfizer, Pfizer got to print, you know, the, 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 the what's their, 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 I don't know, the BioNTech um, injection. 50% of their revenue came in this last year, their last announcement was, from the BioNTech COVID injection, right, or, or vaccine. The government underwrote all the risk associated with any liability occurring from the COVID vaccine. So they had no downside whatsoever. And so to your point that you just mentioned now, is the government underwriting for the UBS or any kind of loss that they have it's like, dude, this, we do this normal. It's just it's car, carte blanche. The only, it's carte blanche. Yeah. You then have fucking blank check. Just go. <laughs> Again, that, that monopoly on violence comes in handy. Yeah. Monopoly on violence. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The police is yours, right? I mean, you, you well, have. More yeah. importantly, the, you know. Might determines right. That's sort of the idea. The, 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 the government can sway, can sway uh, uh, the, yeah. the, the scale of the opinion in general to say, well, yeah. you know, this is what we think we should do and that's it. Again, it, it comes, think- da- comes down to accountability. Okay. You do yeah. this as a public, uh, as, a, as a CEO or executive of a public company, you are accountable to all sorts of people, yeah. including, yeah. Uh, you know, including shareholders. Well, I guess in the case of um, UBS and, and, uh, <laughs> And uh, Credit Suisse, not so much, but you're accountable yeah. to somebody. <laughs> uh, whereas in government, you're just, you're just not accountable for anything or to anyone. <laughs> We're in the wrong business, man. We're in the wrong We're business. The fucking wrong. I got to go into government, man. It's like, go to, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, who, I mean, in the end, you are accountable to somebody, right? You have to be, right? I mean, you've got to be accountable to your... I mean, if you have if you have the biggest and strongest army in the world, then then in essence, maybe you're not accountable. You're just mobile. You need to be able to fund them and have the logistics to be able to supply them. But then you can just go bully everybody around the world and, and, and beat them up into submission. But at some point, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, dude. Thanks for thanks for describing the state of the world. Where have you been? That's exactly uh, how we're over. Yeah, I know. But no, we become, uh, sorry, we, we accept every kind of opinion out there. <laughs> of course, if you're, a, again, if you're an economic minnow, and this has nothing to do with like, you know, uh, standing armies or whatever. If you're an economic minnow, you have very little lee- leeway to do anything, right? You Who do you report to? You're right. You report to the IMF, 
Okay. If you're yeah. if you're a developing nation, if you're a third world nation, or if you're some, you know, you don't have your your uh, uh, debt uh, uh, managed properly, you absolutely one hundred percent report to uh, the IMF. That or widespread misery is going to occur to your. Um, I mean, and the, the, these these types of economies, they don't have the buffer of like four cycle elections and congressional elections, this sort of shit. This is like if commodities, if the price of bread goes up and the, and the price of wheat goes up and the price of oil goes up straight the people will revolt on the street they'll come to the presidential palace take you out that's it there's no there's no buffer so you either report to the mob or you report to the imf and i'm mob i mean that in a good i don't mean to be like disparaging like i mean that in a sort of semi-positive way don carleone type mob no or, as in, or uh, the mob is in like <laughs> the people outside the presidential palace yeah exactly okay yeah 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 of course, in more developed nations. But, but when, when push comes to shove, you're going to air very much quickly on, on the mob outside the presidential palace, right? You're going to really so, – because there's only so much defense that you've got between the IMF and the, and, and, and the, you know, the mob. And when the mob starts routing into your door, I mean, look at what happened with Capitol Hill. I mean, you know, they, everybody well, really I, got I scared. I suppose that was, that was slightly different. I'm talking about – so, the, yeah. again, when you <laughs> – are, but that wasn't uh, yeah when you're when you're hungry yeah exactly. you've got no food exactly. that's you, you have nothing you can't to lose. live your anymore back is, your back is against the wall you literally have nothing to lose and so yeah i don't think the you know western nations the united states they're not at that point yet no right no. so yeah and i don't see that in, and maybe balaji disagrees but i don't see that being in the immediate future but in many global nations that people's backs are against the walls they they don't literally don't give a fuck but I think a lot of the Western nations don't really realize. I mean, the supermarkets and the grocery stores are all still full. Um, food's there. I, I mean, gas tanks are still full. I mean, you're not really – I mean, you don't have the 19 – what was it? When was it, 1960s or 70s where you had to queue up, to, you know, huge queues outside the gas stations, uh, you know. Well, um, yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember when that was. The oil embargo. Yeah, oil embargo, right? I mean, we don't have that yet. Um yeah, you can still go to the pub outside. I mean, most people here are already drinking outside. It's fucking six o'clock and on a Monday night, you know, it's like, no, no, no offense. I mean, you know, they may be working really hard all day and they've been up since six in the morning. So, um, but yeah, I don't think we're at that stage yet. So I don't think we're, yeah, I think we're still far away from that point. And the prices haven't, I mean, if the prices start inflating 30%, I think you start getting to a point where, look at what what happened in Paris. Why was the revolution or the revolt in Paris? But that was because of pension funds, Engin right? They're changing in the ages. Interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. Well, okay. So now that's another bubble, yeah, right? Now we have the the, the biggest liability uh, uh, yeah. in in the United States, Social Security, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. There are there's basically three ways to get out of it. One is to extend the working age. That it's actually the the easiest in terms of, first of all, you just say, sorry, you got to work two more years. And many people will just do it. The other yeah. is to just write it off and say, sorry, you can retire at age 62, but then you have nothing. And then the third way to do it is to say, no problem, you retire at age 62, here's all I owed you, print it out of thin air, right? So that devalues the currency. Those are the three options. The politically expedient one is to just print money out of thin air because nobody sort of realizes at least if you do it cleverly, nobody realizes the one that's, I would say on medium in between is to just say, um, 
uh, we have to extend the working age, that buys you time. Actually, it not only buys you time, it gives you a discount on the liability, right? Because if you had priced it so that yeah, everybody's working age 62 yeah. and now they're age yeah. 64, yeah. you're essentially getting a discount on the liability. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. Or you just say, sorry, like straight up, sorry, we're just going to cut it off here, reset, okay? That has to be the most politically content. I mean, I don't even see that happening. This this would be no. this would be straight up like um, riots on the street. I mean, uh, I say that you already have riots on the street, but like this is like full mania, right? And this is again a confidence problem because if you do that, okay, I can live with the idea today, age whatever, 30, 35, 40. I can live with the idea that when I'm eight, when I'm sixty-two, I'm gonna instead I'm gonna have to work to sixty-four. I can live with that idea. What what I can't live with is the specter of arriving at age 62 or 64 and having nothing. So yeah, yeah. that would cause a, a confidence crisis. That, right? would, that, would, that would be huge. So in the same way that you have like a banking run, this is the same thing. Like if you have a, a crisis of confidence in the government's ability to straight up pay, it, pay you what they owe you, which is how you look at it, then that would be a real issue not just for people age 62 and above. It would also be a problem for, for people age 25. Because now there's a possibility, there's a real possibility that I show up and there's nothing there. But you see, I think that people age 25, I mean, Meltem Demoir was on a, on a spaces somewhere and I listened. She had a really good point, right? The people are fed up, right? You're 25, 26 years old. You know, you, you, you've come through this boomer age. The boomers had all the glory, had, had the be, you know, best time ever. The boom times, you know, sort of, we talked about it last time. Yeah, and now all of a washing sudden. washing machines is what you thought was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and champagne, hey, sorry. I mentioned hey, the on. champagne there. Go on. Um, and, now, and now, basically, for the people at 25, you can't, you can't, you have to pay for the retirement. You, you're, you're, you're being taxed at 60% income. You know, you can't get wealthy because if you get wealthy, you're supposed to be taxed even more. And then, you know, sort of, it's, 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 and and then you got all the bureaucracy to overcome because you got to wait six hours at a bank to get a bank account even to be able to participate. And then you don't even know after five interviews whether you still get one. Um, it, it's and I think they're feeling this pain and they don't want it. And and then like you said, I think you said it was like I will just complain on Twitter, which is what they. <laughs> that's how I know about it. There's a wide margin. There's a wide margin of yeah. Uh, on the right side of that margin is complete bliss and you know Keynesian bliss. We don't have to work. The machines are doing everything. Life is fantastic. And on the other margin, on the left side of that, is complete abject poverty and misery and day-to-day -day sustenance is not there. In the middle is an enormous gap where there's margin for error, right? It is still not problematic enough that I'm willing to risk going out you know, and protesting and losing my livelihood and all that. There's not enough impetus, so we're in this suboptimal equilibrium. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's unfortunately the, the this is the wide yeah. range of yeah, complacency yeah, yeah. is what I'll call it. Yeah. The wide range of complacency. Yeah. We, yeah, most yeah. Western countries live are, are moving closer to uh, the left margin, but they have lived in the last fifty years in in this in this wide margin of complacency. Comfortably numb. Exactly. Exactly. The you know yeah. the sil we'll call it the silver handcuffs. They're not not quite gold. But the silver handcuffs. Well, they're still silver. Yeah, yeah, it's still nice, right? Man, I mean, it's it's interesting times. That's all we can say. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and then, but I do feel that people are also businesses and entrepreneurs are beginning to feel the pressure, right? I do feel that 
you know, VCs are feeling it, um, businesses that have taken out loans um, are feeling it. I'm, I'm sure Elon Musk is feeling it. I mean, why is he going out there and saying, drop the rates, right? His cost of capital must have jumped as well, right? Or um, I think Elon's just having fun at this point. Okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, of course. Of course. Must be all borrowed money anyway, again, again, right? Well, it really it's, not, it's not what the rate is per se. It's not whether it's 4% or 2% terminal rate. It's, it's not what the inflation <laughs> is. It's the uncertainty around it. It's the economic yes, calculation yes, problem. Yes, I agree. I agree. Right? I agree. Uh, okay, yeah. That is agree the with core that. issue. That, that is, is what causes havoc. Yeah. And there's such a wide... Um, it's such a big divergence on what normal is looking like. And as a result, we're constantly swaying exactly. between this pench, this side that says this is normal and this side that's saying this is normal. And they're both fucking influential in terms of influencing the community and yeah, society in either that direction or that direction, right? It's like when Peter Thiel says all of his funds, go get your money out. <laughs> Bang, they all go, this goes down. And then the government comes up and says, oh, no, we got to hit 2% inflation and we're going to hold everything sustainable. You know, it's all okay. You know, it's like you have these two sort of huge pendulums. Yeah, it's chaos. It's chaos. Which is chaos, which is chaos. And what thrives in chaos? Consistency. What is consistent? Bitcoin. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank you for your enormous <laughs> non sequitur, right? <laughs> enormous... <laughs> Again, again it's the ultimately goes back to economic calculation problem i don't care if the price of oil is 50 or, or if it's 150 i can make yeah. a business work so long as it's yeah. you know high enough i mean it's as even, long as i can predict yeah, it even if you tell me no by the way consistent. the price of the barrel of oil wci is perpetually going to be priced at two dollars a barrel i'll say okay i'm gonna get out of the refining business because i'm not gonna yeah. make any money okay i can go do other things with my life i can go do push-ups i can exactly. do whatever it is that i was doing before i went to refine oil right um, but you come to me one year, it's like $2 a barrel and the other year it's 150. And then the next year it's, you know, negative 40, which I still remember. And that's well. not even the year. That's the month. That's right? the, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, it's oh my April, God, where am I going now? It's it like, like April 19th, 2020. I remember, um, when WTI settled that negative anyway. So this is the problem, right? Uh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's really the problem, right? It's this consistency and the volatility. I mean, again, r I mean, running a business, creating value is hard enough with complete certainty, hard, yeah. right? Yeah. Let alone, I mean, if I, if I told you right now that there's a product that people are willing to buy and they're perpetually willing to buy at this price and it's going to be very profitable, all you have to do is just produce it. That in and of itself is an enormously difficult job, let alone having to factor, the fact that startups have to think about how do I manage my money? When should I raise? When should I not raise? Like all of these things that... Uh, a relatively stable economic market would allow them to calculate within reason and give them a large margin for error. Now it's just everybody's trading. Literally every single person is trading. You're a trader whether you like it or not. And this reduces the bandwidth for creativity, the bandwidth for innovation, because you spend your man, literally your, like your waking hours thinking about things that A, you don't have much control over and B, it's just not within your purview. As a startup, yeah. you're not supposed to be an expert in monetary economics and and central banking it's just not something you should be worrying about the modularity of institutions but, that's kind of why we have these people so they they figure that shit out but inevitably you do inevitably i mean uh, 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 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I, I spent the whole weekend training. Reading news. <laughs> okay, uh, you're, for, you're forced to, right? You're forced as a participant. I have no choice, no choice to, right? I have, yeah. Everybody's a trader. If you have a 401k, you're a trader. If you have, if you're invested in the US dollar, if you hold cash, you're a trader. If you hold Swiss francs, you're a trader. The the biggest I mean, casualty, you hold, no, the biggest yeah, casualty yeah. of financial repression and the involvement of central banks in major involvement of central banks in economies is the fact that everybody's economic bandwidth or creative bandwidth has been reduced because they now have to pay attention to um, the financial Super Bowls known as the FOMC. We have to pay attention to Jerome Powell, the FOMC, to Biden, to the Swiss bank, to all these macro elements pay, we have to pay so much attention to that actually I think we're, we're going out there. And I was just listening to Ralph Powell's, you know, um, unfuck yourself um, um, pitch, right? So how to unfuck yourself and, and, and how to untie yourself, how to build assets. It, it's the best, his, his, his view is it's the best opportunity to be alive. Why? Because now's the time to invest. There's so much chaos going out there, but there's so much opportunity in terms of technology, what's going on in terms of the change, in terms of cryptocurrencies, underlying infrastructure, et cetera, right? But that means that there needs to be businesses that are building out these capabilities to make it attractive for you to invest, to be able to disrupt legacy industries and build out whole new economies. And to, if we're saying now that it's so hard to stay focused on your business, if you don't have a significant cash pile and you're not, you're, you're, you've got to have the top mercenaries in your business paid so much money that they don't even think about trading and they're not worried about their assets. And they have such a team underlying them that their whole objective is incentivized to make this a success and they have enough firing power to do so. I don't know where I was going with that, but well, you're but trying to tell me how, you're trying to tell us how to unfuck ourselves. And I'm trying, I'm signing. Yeah, but, what you just but I want to, I, I, I mean, I, I, I yeah. So it's, how do you unfuck yourself? According to all of these is invest, right? And um, I got to invest in, in data networks. I got to invest in telecommunications because we need the communication. I got to invest in compute, in compute processing because all the services that sit on top of that AI, cryptocurrency, they all sit on top of communications. They all sit on top of data and, and energy was the other one. I need to have energy, right? But where energy? Energy is being commoditized. Um, and so there's going to be abundance of energy. Um, and so, uh, you know, but who and where? Um, I mean, there are hundreds of AI companies, I guess, you know, it's like there were hundreds of railroad companies when they first flocked into um, the West. There were hundreds of gold miners and gold diggers that were going over there. And who won out? Um, a couple went out and I guess, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think at the end of the day, the the only sustainable way to unfuck ourselves is to make sure that we enshrine institutions that are larger, both in philosophical and in material terms, than us as individuals. That yeah. we agree on a set of rights and a set of principles that we're going to follow. These are enshrined somewhere. We've tried this before, and that they stay out of the way, and that their only purview is to protect the rights that we've enshrined. Everything else is left up to the agents of the free market. Smart contracts. 
<laughs> you and your non sequiturs today. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're getting it from. Um, but with that, we've reached the top of the hour, and so yeah. as always, um, try and unfuck yourselves, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> bye, bro. Oh man, yeah, man. Bye. We'll be right back.